0: We pray you will be blessed by today's message. I invite you to take your copy of God's Word now and turn to the prophet Jeremiah, chapter number 17. As you turn there, two things. Number one, it appears that Joe Burrow may be successful tonight from the looks of things. And so, I want to thank you all for helping out with that. I also want to Acknowledge something. That's something that I have uh, heard repeatedly from various folks outside of our congregation, from denominational leaders and colleagues in other parts of the state. And that is that Grove Park's response to COVID has been the best that they have seen. We have adapted. We have adapted in the face of an ever changing situation. We have responded running with new ministries to meet felt needs. We have done well, beloved. And you should be commended for that. You have done more than most people realize in being a bridge in the midst of a troubled time. And certainly the work of our deacons over the last couple of weeks has shown that as well. And so I personally want to thank you for what you've done to make Grove Park stronger and to make the lives of the people that we seek to minister to better. Jeremiah 17. Would you pray with me? Kind Father, speak to us. Speak to us, Lord, words that will cause us to answer the call of Scripture, to be faithful disciples. Father, give me the words that are needed for those who have gathered to hear from You as we make our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever walked into a room and just stopped traffic in that room cold? Like you heard the record player scratch? Because they move the needle that fast. I I know of two times specifically that that has happened to us. Once was when we lived in Enfield, if my memory serves me right, we had been to a funeral and we were coming back through Rich Square, which is a thriving metropolis if you've never been there. And we had stopped because I had told a lie, I'd served that time on a board at Chowan University. And I told Liza, I said, when I come back through Rich Square on the way back to Infield, I always stop at lunch at this place called Claudine's. It's great. We need to stop. So out we get of the car. We're going into Claudine's. I have my typical bow tie on. We're, you know, dressed for success. And we walk into Claudine's in Rich Square, North Carolina. We walked in the door. All conversation stopped, every head in the place turned to us, and for the remainder of our time there, we were stared at. We were, all that went through their mind was, they don't belong here. I had it happen again a few years later, about 10 years ago actually now. We were in Chapel Hill for a concert with our best friends, Jim and Renee Bridges, and we decided to go back to one of my old haunts in Chapel Hill called Bandito's, which is a Mexican restaurant that is across the alley from the rat, if you all know where the rat is in Chapel Hill. And it was about six o'clock on a Saturday night and we go in to Bandito's and when they went to seat us in the main dining room there, once more, Everything stopped. Because we realized why after a few minutes of looking around. We were at the age of 35, the oldest people there. It was frightening. (laughs) Because they all looked at us like, you don't belong here. What I found amusing was I'd been eating there since before they could eat solid food. (laughs) You know, beloved, as I think about our society, I think that our society today needs a bunch of folks, a bunch of disciples that are room stoppers who walk in and, and people say, I'm not sure they belong here. They look out of place. We need disciples that don't fit into neat molds. That live lives that are truly counter to the prevailing societal currents. Not just the currents of our community at large, but because the the currents of the the church at large have gotten so far off course that we would look dramatically different from the church world in our discipleship. Thankfully, as we think about what does this look like, we can look to the words of the prophet Jeremiah, a a counter-cultural prophet if there ever was one, to provide for us the picture of the disciple that the world needs today. Look with me at verses 5 through 7. Thus says the Lord. Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man who who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. A disciple that stands out, a disciple that looks like they don't belong, first and foremost, beloved, is one who trusts in God above everything and everyone else. When Jeremiah is speaking here the words of the Lord, he is speaking to a society that is, that is in judah that is at a time where they are putting their trust in everything but in god they are putting their trust particularly in military prowess in their in their military fortifications and in their military alliances if you were to skip over to micah chapter number one you would find this very vividly portrayed by the prophet micah and micah And Jeremiah both say this is not the way to go. But beloved, understand we do something similar. You and I trust in our power far too often. We trust in our money. We trust in our intellect. We trust in our personality. We trust in everything and the power of those things above and beyond Trusting in the omniscient and omnipotent God of the universe. Now it should be noted that when we trust in ourselves more than we trust in God, we are invoking a pride that banishes all humility. Beloved, you cannot be a, a stand-out, show-stopping disciple and be filled with pride. Pride and arrogance do not match discipleship because discipleship means you look like Jesus. And Jesus never looked like pride or arrogance. Jesus was a humble servant of God. Pride and arrogance are deadly. It's important to remember that three times in Scripture it tells us that pride is something that is opposed by God. God is in fervent opposition to pride. But He gives grace. He gives unmerited favor to the humble. I should also point out that when you say that what you have, your abilities, your uh, assets, are more important than God... You are denying God. It's like you say, I don't need Him. And if you say you don't need Him, it's like He doesn't even exist. And where there is no recognition of God, beloved, we ourselves are made big and He is made small. And He, as we saw last week, is certainly not small. And we certainly are not big. Beloved, the church functions best when it trusts in God. When it trusts in God and says that we come before Him powerless and we come into our world powerless and we do not seek to exercise power in our world. We just put our trust in Him. The lessons of history again and again and again and again show that any time the church seeks to operate in temporal power, in other words, in power in the society where it is causing the society to, to have to bow down to it, it loses course. It loses course and it loses its spiritual power. The Reformation occurs in part because the church had lost its ability to be powerless. The reason why the state churches of Europe and other parts of the world are so out of power is because they have sought to exercise temporal power. Verse number 6 tells us that when we seek to find any power other than in our trust in God we will become nothing more than a dry shrub in the desert and no good will come our way. A dry shrub. Does that not remind you of the witness that we have of the church in our society today? It is not wielding any great life. It's not wielding any great strength. It is just there. It's existing, but it's not providing any shade. It's just like a a tumbling tumbleweed through the desert of life. Beloved, we should not seek that. We should not seek that. We should seek a, a vibrant, vital life of faith. One that stands out in the midst of of all the bleakness and dryness of life. And so we need to understand that uh, a disciple who is seeking this course is not one that is simply trusting in God for everything, but is also exhibiting a depth and rootedness of faith. Notice the beginning of verse number 8. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green. I should say, first off, that I really hate the phrase let's go deep when we discuss God. I truly hate it because for me, too often, it leads us into places that I don't know any other way to describe it. People say we're going to go deep, and it leads into something like crackpot theology. You know, for one, one of the things that was big when I was growing up was the Bible code. And people thought that there was this code that they could figure out by computers implanted in the scriptures. And they would point to all that you needed to get these computers to work to tell you what the top secret code was that God had put in there somewhere or another. They would describe it all the time as we're going to go deeper. They went somewhere, but I don't know where it was. The scripture though tells us That the standout disciple requires depth. There's a rootedness in it. You notice that the roots go deep. So maybe that's actually what we should say. That the disciple who is going to stop a room should have a rooted faith that it can tap into. It has gone so far down into the ground with its root system that it can tap into resources in the driest of seasons so that it may stay luxuriant as the Scripture says here. It will remain green even when the heat comes. What does that rooting look like? What, what does it? If we were to pursue rooting ourselves in this, being where we were rooted and grounded in faith, what would that look like? Well, I think first off it would require of us some emotional stability. It would mean that we would remain calm in the midst of the storms of life and that we wouldn't be blown about. Now let me go ahead and say something here. That's hard. That's hard on any number of issues. That's hard because... Sometimes the storms are just blowing. I mean, like, like not even a gale force. We're talking like hurricane force blows. And, and, and it's not just coming from one direction. It's coming from seemingly every possible direction. And we're getting pushed here and there and everywhere. Sometimes it's hard because there are serious mental health issues that some of us face. I've been very open with you all about the fact that, that, that I deal with depression on a regular basis. And so being emotionally stable sometimes is very difficult because all I want to be is Eeyore. You know Eeyore. Woe is me. But beloved, none of these should prevent us from being rooted what generally it means is that we're not willing to address the issues that we need to face We are more willing to be unstable than we are to deal with the things that we are facing, deal with the things that are going to blow us about, deal with the things that would prevent us from being rooted, because to do that we'd have to dig out some bad things that we don't necessarily want to do, and we really then don't think that God can take care of it, but God can take care of it, and God can allow us to build a root system in faith that goes extremely, extremely deep so that when the winds howl and when the dry seasons come, we can still be standing tall and standing out. should note also that this rooting doesn't simply stop with emotional stability. This rooting requires some intellectual rigor I grow weary I grow weary of talking to people who say I would share my faith more but I just don't think I have the answers that folks might uh, I might not be able to provide the answers to questions that folks have okay You have just told me that you are ignorant on a subject. What are you doing to fix that? Are you going intellectual and seeking to find answers so that you'll be prepared or are you just simply saying I'd rather stay in the dark? Beloved, to live as a faithful disciple that stands out in our world today requires an intellectual rigor that we should seek because it allows us to have answers, not shallow answers, not Sunday school answers, but answers that, that speak to the depths of people's needs and the depths of people's hurts and the depths of people's pains and the depths of people's questions and are able to present to them a vibrant reason for the hope that we profess. But it starts with us saying, I'm not just going to stay here. It's not going to stay here. I think it was Harry Truman that said, I'm not a smart man, but I read a lot. I like that. I don't necessarily think I'm a smart man either, but I do read a lot. Beloved, are you pursuing rigor of your intellect? Because the folks that are outside of these walls are the most educated the world has ever known. And they need to have a disciple point them in a path that says that God can match their intellectual questions. And that shows a faith that is not just an inch thick, but has a root system unlike anything you could imagine that ties back in the history of the church with the present needs of the world and says we have always had an answer we still have an answer but understand being rooted is necessary because it points us to one other thing At the end of chapter 8 verse 8 it says and is not excuse me and is not anxious in the fear in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit You see that emotional stability there is necessary. But it it also points to that other thing that when we are rooted, we are able to bear fruit. And a standout disciple will bear fruit. What does that mean exactly? Well, ultimately it means that we will reproduce. That's what fruit does. Fruit is the means by which we reprodu- uh, the nature reproduces. Inside of the fruit of the apple is an apple seed. And if you go plant that seed, what's going to happen? You're going to get an apple tree. And that apple tree will grow more fruit. Ultimately, beloved, being a standout disciple means that you are fruitful, that you are bearing fruit, which means that you are making more disciples. And while there is nothing in my being, I love more than to see disciples that are made through the conversion to faith. We need to understand that making disciples is beyond just that. Making disciples is, in, is bringing people along who already have faith and are growing deeper in their faith becoming more rooted and more exhibiting the power of God in their life that are causing them to stand out more and more and more and more. So some of us are very gifted in reproducing faith by going out and winning the world to Jesus. Others of us are uh, standing out in our faith because we are able to take those that have been reached, and give them the, the knowledge and the, the assets that they need to become great in faith. It's not an either or. It's both and. I'm going to go back to apples for a minute. I love to eat apples. They're not my favorite fruit, but I do like to eat them. Last week, Eliza had some apples and she made, she cut them and she brought some to me during the ball game. That was great. But you know what else she did? What I didn't know? She made apple turnovers with others. Now the Lord's sugar is good, but the Lord's sugar added with some cinnamon and spice is better. You see, that was using a variety of gifts and abilities with the same fruit. God calls us to that, beloved. He calls us to create people who are standing out in their faith. Individually, He calls us to that. And so how do you do that? How do you know if you're a standout disciple this morning? Well, look at verse number 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Beloved, first off, we must recognize that our heart is deceptive our heart is going to be continuously deceptive. Even when we get that new heart that comes through faith in Jesus Christ, our heart is still going from time to time tell us that everything is good and we're going to believe it and it's going to be a lie. The word here for deceptive is the same word that is used in the construction of the name Jacob, which means the deceiver. And Jacob was always working To get what Jacob wanted above the needs of others, he cheated Esau, he cheated Laban, he cheated, cheated, cheated. Beloved, our hearts will cheat on us. To some degree, Hank Williams wasn't just talking about someone else when he wrote your cheating heart. The question is, does your cheating heart tell on you to yourself? Does it tell you, do you ever stop to... To, to say, is everything right here? Well, how do I know? You search, beloved. You search continuously. Did you notice here, God says, I, the Lord, search the heart and test the mind. It's not just a one and done thing. God is continuously searching our heart and testing our minds to know what our, our personality and our thoughts and all, are they always trending toward Him? And He's always rewarding that, it says. Beloved, does your test score match God's? And are you continuously searching Or are you at the point of your Christian walk where you say, you know, I've just about grown as much as I can. Do you know what the worst thing on earth is to a Christian? Contentment. Contentment. Now I know you can say, Mark, doesn't Paul call us to contentment? I've learned the secret to be content in all things that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And yes, that is correct. But that contentment is saying that I have learned that I will make it through all things. I don't worry anymore. That's the contentment it's talking about. The contentment that is a danger to us all is the contentment that says I've done enough. The contentment that Jesus warned about when he talked about the man who built all the silos and said I can can live and eat, drink and be merry and what did Jesus say at the end of that? He said, you're a fool. Tonight your life will be demanded of you. Beloved, there is never a point in life where you have finally got it all. There is never a point in your life where you are going to be the perfect disciple until you step off of this plane into a plane in the world beyond. You're never going to have all of the things worked out that you need to work out. And if you think you have reached that point, you are in grave error. No, I've just cleaned it up too much. You are living in sin. We are called beyond contentment. We are called to be people who say I trust in God and God alone. I am rooted and grounded in Him. He is the one that makes me fruitful. Nothing that I do, nothing that I say. He is the one that is at all things. And He ultimately is the one that causes everything in my life when I walk into a place for the record to scratch as it goes off. Because He has done a work in me. And beloved, if you can't say that today, then your prayer should immediately be what you began this service with. Change my heart, oh God. The world needs to see, to have an epiphany of discipleship. And ultimately, the church needs an epiphany of discipleship. Because discipleship, beloved, is more than just coming to church. Discipleship is more than just posting memes of Scripture on your social media platforms. Discipleship is looking more like Jesus and taking Him to the world beyond that the world looks more like Jesus every day. so when you leave this place today will you call someone's record to stop let's pray Lord I conclude this sermon as I began it with a prayer to speak Lord I pray that you would make us disquieted in our contentment and that Lord we would we would Know those places that keep us from being a disciple that stands out. And we would seek to fix those places. Through the power of your Spirit. Digging out those things, Lord, that are hindrances. That our roots may grow deep in you. Help us, Lord, today. To fully trust in you. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Please note our schedule has been revised as of April 2021. Please join us on Sunday mornings for worship at 10 o'clock in the sanctuary at 108 Trail 1 in Burlington. Or on Facebook Live. For more information and resources regarding our church, please visit groveparkchurch.net. And remember, grace abound.